Hi, welcome back to Murder on Tap. We are your hosts, Allie and Jose. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, how's it going? It is going all right. It's a rainy, cold day. It is. I wouldn't say rainy so much. Like, oh. the five seconds of rain we got doesn't really count. Well, it's a constant drizzle. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, the floor is wet. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to water the plants. This week, at least. No, that's kind of the nice thing. Um, and we're supposed to have rain for the next couple of days. But anyway, that's Actually, not why people are week. here. They don't give a shit about the fact that we're they're getting rain. They're here for rainy day news. No, they're here for beer. Your and Podcast about rain. About weather. No. Um, anything fun and new you want to tell us? that's been going on i thought i heard some beer news but not really actually this is something that's unrelated to beer news but if you remember a few episodes back i mentioned um that beer um 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 um, um no shit i don't remember where it was but the brewing company that was i think it was in florida the brewing company that was doing those um adopt a dog oh yeah the, you no, know? the lost dogs the lost dogs oh yeah that's right yeah, the lost dogs the but technically on. technically they were up for adoption yeah they were putting on the beer labels so a another company a pizza company in new york uh started doing a similar uh, a similar idea to that where they started printing flyers and placing them on top of the pizza boxes so they're not necessarily rebrandishing <laughs> label uh, on their pizza box, but they're just kind of attaching these flyers of these uh, puppies that you can pretty much adopt or dogs that you can adopt, and they are going out with their pizza orders whenever customers pick them up. So it's just like taped on top or stapled. Yeah, or pretty something? much. Like just taped on top. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. You know, getting the word out. That's uh, a little bit of the AOK uh, part. Well, not really. Sorry. It was supposed to be beer news, but it was no, related to my original it's, it's... beer news from a few months ago. But anyway, that's that. Anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I kind of do. Okay. Do tell. Um, your Should brother we... recently gave us a... Yes. Go, uh, trivia game. Gift time. We received a few gifts. From fans. From fans, <laughs> yep. And family. And, um, yeah, the first one that we got was, uh, well, not the first one, because Allie has the first one. It is the Scratch and Sniff Guide oh, yes. to Beer. Scratch and Sniff Guide to Beer, a Beer Lover's Companion by Justin Kennedy. And this was given to me by a good friend um, by the name of Susan. Susan. And she got this at, I want to say, Roman's Bookstore in Pasadena. And basically, this Scratch and Sniff Guide to Beer is filled with trivia games, uh, f- like fascinating facts, and like uh, recipes, and just beer history, and the different types of beer, of course. And it's just full of really cool stuff. And the best part is it has these little stickers that you can scratch and sniff. Uh, hence the title of the book. And you can smell the specific beer that it is pointing to. And it does smell like the beer. And it does. It really does. And it's really cool. There's different types of like brewing methods and different recipes. And just 
it it's a lot of fun. I've been having a pretty good time reading it. Oh, great. Mm. Her reading or smelling it? <laughs> Both. <laughs> a little bit licking, too. Um, yeah, another gift that we got was this trivia game called Beer Smarts. Tap your knowledge. Hmm. Yeah, like it's an, an intoxicating question and answer game that makes soaking in the wonderful world of beer easy and fun. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. We yeah, should uh, we should do our own trivia segments either in the beginning or the end. Yeah, it's of the um, podcast. This thing has uh, four categories. It's a uh, beerology, which is the science of suds. Pub <laughs> crawl, which is brews around the world. Buzzwords, which is beer terms from L to Zimergy. Ooh. Zimergy. I might have said it wrong. I need to read up on the buzzwords. And Beer 101, which is random beer facts. Nice. <clears throat> and if you guys can answer this Beer 101 question, we'll shout you out in the next episode. Just hit us up on our Instagram. The question is, which country has the highest consumption of beer per capita? Ooh. A, the Czech Republic, B, China, C, United States, or D, Ireland? Mmm, that's a tricky one. Remember, the question is, which country has the highest consumption of beer per capita? Per capita. Make sure to reach us in our... Hit us up on Instagram. DM. DM or just leave a comment on the oh, yeah. post we put. Yeah, exactly. We'll get a shout out. We'll send you some used socks. Yeah, maybe we should post the question underneath. There we go. Our photo. That's what we'll do. Perfect. Not our photo. Our not our photo. Our post. Thank you, Susan, and thank you, Vahe, for the beer smarts uh, trivia game and the scratch and sniff book. And the scratch and sniff book. And I'll post pictures of these too. Yeah. Maybe you want to buy them for yourself or a loved one. I already have them. Not you. Oh. The listeners. Okay, on to, on to our scheduled, regularly scheduled program. Yes, let's jump into that beer. I'm really excited. This is a super cool bottle. and beer. Um, Another corker. Oh, so. boy. Ah! Oh, shit. Oh, that I hope my scream wasn't loud, and I'm glad that didn't, like, that pop, start spilling everywhere. That popped easier than I thought. I'm always afraid of, like, cork tops like that, because I'm, I always assume they're, like, champagne, and they're just going to start exploding all over the place but no because it's not the same carbonation so never mind just kidding jk no harm done bloop 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 no beers were harmed in this taping of this episode <laughs> Ooh. oh that's very pretty it smells beery right when it i mean it looks beery let me tell you how did how did we start a podcast where we're describing beer as beery. <laughs> this beer is very beery. We are the worst. What does it taste like? Beer. <laughs> what does it look like? Beer. beer. Here, grab that one. Oh, oh. looks a bit better. Oh. Either one is fine. The f- FOMO oh, settled right. eventually. Let's uh, clink, clink, and drink, drink. Well, it's... Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Beery indeed. (laughs) We had it right the first time. (laughs) That's it. We're done. Good night, everybody. And uh, (laughs) 
Thank you for coming back. To it's my been a really book. good show, anyway. Okay, so today's beer is, I hope I pronounced this correctly, by the brewery, which is named Breweries van Steenberg. Is it German? It is Belgian. Oh, I always confuse the difference between the two. But... Yeah, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's B R O U W E R I J, which I believe is Shit brewery. If I know, but I believe you. Brewerage, brewerage. All right, they're uh, based out. Well, their location original is Ertvelde in uh, eastern Flanders, uh, in Belgium. They originally opened in 1784. Oh, shit. Yep. And uh, now the president is uh, Jeff Verselli. I hope I'm pronouncing that right again. Sorry if it's wrong. Sorry if you're listening, Jeff. And that's Jeff with one F. Hmm. His name is Jeff. Um, it, originated, it originated from Plowland Farm, mm-hmm. which Plowland is just... Uh, Large farmland, you know, when you get, what do you call it, those big tractors and mm-hmm. sheeps and cows and stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, by a farmer of the, by the name of John Baptist de Bruin. Um, and in that area, they also brewed beer for their own consumption. It was also, it was a large farm, but they brewed beer for themselves. You okay. Know? Okay. Um, eventually, it became um, the fa- uh, the farm's main objective to brew beer. They said, you know, we just want to brew beer. So they stopped all agricultural activities between the world wars, to the World War One and World War Two. Oh shit! Yep, yep. After John's death, his widow Angelina Petronella Shelfout. Um, continued the business, and then her nephew Joseph Sheffold, Sheffold, I'm, I'm gonna drink. I need to loosen up. <laughs> uh, gave her a hand with the with the business. The brewery then was extended, uh, with a malting house and a hops field. Mm. So they started doing their own thing inside of the brewery, not just brewing it. I mean, smart if they had all that land. Why not? Yeah, I think it was. I think I read it was about two acres of land. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was about very big. <clears throat> all you need for that moment in time. Yeah, and around that time, yeah, two acres. And population of people, probably. Yeah. Um, so after the World Wars, or in between, a lot of Belgian land, a lot of Belgian farmland wasn't, um, they weren't able to farm anymore. Or, or I read that in, as I read in there. Why? That it was a lot more difficult to farm. I'm not sure why, maybe because of the war itself, you know, fighting in certain areas or Mm -hmm. maybe there wasn't the people that normally were there to farm it, enough people. I didn't get too into it. Um... Don't, like, throw rocks at me if I didn't get it right. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna stone you for not reading further. Don't get me stoned. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
after it extended, uh, Joseph's daughter. Uh, remember, Joseph is uh, Angelina's nephew. Mm-hmm. And um, her name is Margaretha. That's a yeah, that's a that's the first time I heard that one. It's uh, kind of like a. It's like Margaret, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Margaretha, and uh, she married Paul Van Steenberg. Okay. So um, then he became mayor of Ertvelde and senator in the Belgian parliament. Okay. So she married good. Right? I mean, I guess. What, what do you mean you guess? He's part of the senate? The, okay. He changed the... He was the one who changed the brewery's name to uh, Brewery's Bios. Or Bios. Um, which... Uh, Bios means uh, is a meaning for life. Is that with a V or a B? A uh, B. Okay. Like Bios, but uh-huh. I just hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's not Bios. Could be. Dialect, you know. So then, uh, after World War One, they started to produce lemonade. <laughs> I I was like, wait, Mike's hard a, lemonade. There's, there's a just typo. Kidding. I was like, why lemonade? Interesting. And the thing is that they didn't say anything else. About why they did lemonade. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Maybe if it's a if got... it's a weird jump that I'm saying is because that's what I and then I I got this off of uh, the websites, the company, the brewery's website. Just to let everybody know. Okay. So Joseph Van Steenberg, who is the son of Paul, uh, tended the business throughout World War Two, and in 1978 they were able to get the hold of. Uh, yeast and a recipe from August Steiner Monks in Ghent or Ghent I think it's Ghent I think I pronounced it wrong I think it's Ghent um, in 1990 Paul took over the brewery uh, they made huge investments which allowed the brewery to evolve um, to evolve into using the technologies that are around you know that were around um, at that time to make their beer like the best it can be. Okay. It's you know they they added their sensors to this 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 needs this amount and it shows the levels and all that stuff. You know it wasn't just eyeballing stuff or. Maybe the reason for the lemonade was because they didn't have the proper equipment and ingredients and stuff too. That too, and then I also was thinking maybe it was like they couldn't brew for some reason. You know. Mm. A law, or it wasn't like um, a product you could sell much at that time. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't know. Lemonade. Around the corner, fudge is made. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say milk is made, but never mind. No, it's milk, milk, lemonade, no, no, around the corner, it. milk. Is, okay. <laughs> we got it. So, uh, yeah, so they evolved and you be, were able to use it high-tech technology to help them out with their brewing and um they sell most of their product uh in belgium their production is, is mostly uh, sold in belgium but now they export to which are the main three other than belgium italy holland and the united states okay they also export to france spain switzerland germany and a few other countries, a bunch of other countries, mm-hmm. but those are like the main top 
Sellers? Buyers, buyers. There you go, buyers. <laughs> um, all right. That was brief. That was longer than usual because they had a good story this time around. I mean, they've been around for quite some time, so I have hope to have so. a story, yeah. <laughs> been around since the 18th century. Technically, yeah, that's true. I was going to say 16th. Oh, <laughs> but let's take a little swig again. All right, and let's uh, get to the description. Ah, okay. Let's go with smell. No, we'll go with look first. Ooh. What do you have? It's a hazy beer for sure. I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. Darker than mine. I don't know. I think it's because my foam is still there. That's a big difference. My foam is not dying down. No, I don't think it's that. No. But it looks, uh, what is it, like, it's hazy for sure. It's hazy. It has a haze, but, like, Orangey. There's... Yours looks rusty. Mine looks more, like, orangey. But there's so many, like, bubbles still Like, carbonated bo- bubbles that are coming up, yeah. Yes, so, like, I can't tell if it's just lightening up or what's happening, but it's a very pretty, um, uh, caramel. Definitely caramel, caramel. color. You're just dark caramel. I have a light, orangey, rusty color. What do you have for smell-wise? Your typical ale. That's malt. I smell malt. malt. Mm-hmm. And even, you can even taste the malt. Malt. It has like some kind of like... And citrus. Like slight fruit smell, you know, like citrus, some kind of light fruity smell. It's not really overpowering, but... No. It smells... and <clears throat> Excuse me. And beer. It smells like beer. You know what I mean? It's like... Um, not like a... Not like an ale or a, or a pale ale or nothing. It smells like a beer. Like, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It's like... Just a regular beer. Kind of like a... It reminds me of like a... Like a hef... That's what it the taste even reminds me of, kinda. It could be, yeah. But I didn't say in the beginning. But this beer is called the Pirat L. You went through all that and you never told us the name? <laughs> well, because I always start with the brewery. Terrible. And then I go with the name. It's okay. Pirat. I call it Pirate, because I hope that's how it's pronounced. But it's P I R A A T Pirat L. I looked up the pronunciation. I cannot find it. That's okay. But it's been around for a very, very long time. It is a 10.5% ABV. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, we got a pint. Well, I got a pint for about 12 bucks. Not bad. Not bad. It's, it's, it's pretty, a pretty big. big bottle, so you get, you know, it's good for two people. You get two... Maybe three drinks out of it, you know. Not bad. Would I pick it again? Probably not. You're not into it. Not that I'm not into it. It's just um. It's not your style. I don't know. I mm, no, not that it's not my style. I guess I just my palate has somewhat changed. It is very um. It is not one of those more flavorful beers. No. But it's not bitter. 
but it's very pungent and it's um yeah it's very um it stays in your mouth like like where i've been drinking this and my tongue is still like a little bit dry yeah like like when you drink wine yeah you know but it's not whiny at all no is it dry is it meant to be dry i i didn't read that it was or not hmm. um let's check out this uh oh go with the taste what do you taste Thought we discussed the taste, no? No, we did smell and then we did the look of it. Oh, uh, taste malt. There's a hint of mm, something. What is that? You know why? Well, I was saying that it kind of leaves your tongue dry, like wine. Yeah. I think it tastes like a little bit of grape. To me, it that dryness is that like champagne taste. Yeah, the that's very the maybe that's why it was meant to be like the, the carbonation, because the thing mine still has a little bubbles everywhere. But even that, like just the taste of it, it almost has a champagne taste. Do you know what I mean? No, I get you. Yeah. Like it's not like that. Like when it's wine, it tastes like barrel, like a barrel aged. Do you know what I mean? Not just whiskey like barrel, but like when it's like wine barrel. But this tastes like champagne for some reason. Well, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. What is it? What does it describe the taste as? Uh, I was saying that it was malty, bitter, residuous feeling on your mouth. Definitely. Um, uh, hints of grapes and a floral. For a hint of floral. Floral, yes. Floral fruits. It's something sweet, but like it's not a specific fruit. I it's think just that's something just like sweet. Malt, malt, and in general, yeah. It's good. I I like it. It's not like you know some people would drink it and be like, oh, you guys drink ales and they're strong and bitter. This is for someone that would drink regular beer. They'd be okay for them. Yeah. With a little with a little steak or some kind of you know. Yeah, and again, uh, definitely, a, definitely a good compare. Compare what? A uh, good comparison to like, I'm sorry, a good compliment to like a uh, steak. Yeah, Wait, what happened? What? Steak or? I was doing that, I remember in the first episodes, I would do, it pairs good with this, good with, good with that. Okay, so then do stopped. it. <laughs> this goes great with steak. We think we say that about everything mashed though. Potatoes. We can't just say it with steak and mashed potatoes with everything. Um... Maybe even seafood? A little bit of seafood. Maybe not clams. No. Not clams or oysters. No. Something more like a, like lobster. A lobster would be good. Like butter. But anyway, mm. this isn't the food podcast. This is beer and food and murder. Mm. Well, well, that is my... Uh, did you describe the bottle? You didn't describe the bottle to us. Well, the bottle is a one pint bottle. Uh, and the front has a pirate ship with the well, yeah, it is a pirate ship because it has a flag with skulls on it. Oh yeah. And it has a bunch of sails. I like that the it's like gold. The sails are gold. Yeah, golden sails, and then they have the shimmer to them when you hold it to the light. Yeah. And uh, on top of it says Anno 1784. Mm-hmm. Uh, pirate L right underneath, pirate L underneath, product of Belgium. Um, 
it's a global beer. It says it on the label. Soup's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all it is. In the very top of the the head of the beer, it says Brauerich van Steenberg. Interesting, and even the bottle itself resembles like a a wine bottle. Yes, but yeah, more rather so. a champagne bottle to me. Yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. You know what I mean? Anyway, it was good. Not gonna not not gonna lie, it was pretty good. But I don't know if I would necessarily pick it again. Oh, you know what? You know how wine bottles in the bottom, some of them are a little bit of a hollow area. Yeah. Oh. Oh, not wine. Uh, champagne, because that's how they pour them, don't they? They oh, hold the yeah. bottles. I guess so. But aren't wine bottles the same? Yeah, I guess so. Well, not if it's the cheap ones. Mm-hmm. You know who we're talking about. Mr. Chuck. Oh, terrible. Hey, he has good wine. <laughs> Don't hate on Charles Shaw. <laughs> Charles Shaw. He's right. uh, decent. Well, cool. Okay. Thanks for picking this out. Uh, yeah, next time I'll try to get something that's not champagne-y. No, it's not bad. It's fine. It's nice to try out different... Again, it's always nice to try different styles of beer because we're always sticking to IPAs. Exactly. So, to... so I'm not sorry. No, I'm... Next nobody time, asked you to be sorry. Next time I'm going to get a triple-aged champagne beer. Do it. So, would you like to take us into our true crime section of the week? I would love to. Thank you. Um, this week I will be covering the story of Christine Fowling. And Christine Fowling was one of the youngest serial killers in the U.S. history. So, just to give you an idea, um, actually, never mind. I'm not even going to give you an idea. I'm just going to jump right into it. So, forget it. Never mind. (laughs) I was ready to have an idea. (laughs) Okay, so Christine Fowling was originally born Christine Laverne Slaughter. On March 12th, 1963 in Perry, Florida. And I know I did a story. My last my last week's story was based in Florida also. So this was an accident, but that's okay. Well, what does that tell you? What boy? Wait, this lady's last name was Slaughter? Yes. Originally, her last name was Slaughter. So she's... Okay, we don't know if she's part of the crime or... The yes, you do. I literally her. just told you she was the youngest serial killer in the oh, U.S. history. Okay. So what a badass ass name. <laughs> yes, until she had to change it. See, because you always mix it around. You never do that. You I always know. go, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I have to make it fun once I'm gonna in a while. I'm going to tell you what happens. Okay. So. It only took you a year of podcasting. <laughs> wow. Okay. So she's born uh, March 12th, 1963 in Perry, Florida. And Falling was the second child of Anne, who was 16, and Thomas Slaughter, who was 65. Hmm. What? Yes. Wow, that's a big gap. The second child. The second child of 16-year-old Anne. Oh, I thought you said that the 16-year-old was the second child. No. So the 16-year-old already had one. The 16-year-old is the mom, yes. Wow. So her sister Carol was a year and a half older than her. From the start of her life, Falling had a pretty rough and impoverished childhood. Her mother had a habit of leaving for months at a time for work, and when she would return home, 
uh, when she returned home two of the times, she came back pregnant. So the two years following Falling's birth, you know what? I've been saying that wrong. It's Falling. Sorry, it's not Falling. It's Falling. So the two years following Falling's birth, her mother had two more children, Michael and Earl. So for some reason, Thomas, Falling's father, uh, claimed only Earl as his biological son out of all the children, even though like she left and wasn't pregnant and then she came back and was pregnant. And I don't know why he assumed that that was his kid. Whatever. They didn't mention it. They didn't go into detail. So Falling was severely developmentally disabled, prone to obesity, epileptic, Uh, experienced bouts of aggressive behavior and throughout her life was unable to surpass a sixth grade reading level. Mm. Some people Mm -hmm. even describe her as fuck. Some people even described her to have a blank stare and she was not very connected. She was also unable to like keep up a conversation. At one point, when her mother had left for work again, her father was in charge of the children and would occasionally bring them to the woods where he worked as a logger. So he would kind of like, you know, have him have the kids by him just in case, and he would leave Fowling to tend to the children while in his vicinity. Mm -hmm. So one day, Thomas was injured from a work-related accident, uh, forcing Anne to rejoin her family. While in Anne's care, the children were shuffled around to different family members to be cared for until one day Anne completely stopped caring and she pretty much abandoned them on a bench at a shopping center in Perry. On a bench? On a bench. She just like dropped them and bounced. Yeah, somebody take them if you want them. I, pretty much. Wow. So eventually the children were split up and Fowling and her sister Carol were sent to live with family members of Anne who were Jesse and Dolly Fowling. So Jesse and Dolly could not have children of their own, so they agreed to adopt the girls, hence the reason for her last name change to Fowling. So life with the Fowlings was very hectic. The girls were super rebellious and hard to control. Naturally, because their mother wasn't active in raising them, Dolly had trouble caring for them properly. From an early age, Fowling demonstrated personality traits. Her severe fits of anger would channel into antisocial behavior. She even developed a sick fascination with torturing cats. Oh, there you go. Fowling would strangle the poor animal before dropping it from a very high point just to see if it really had nine lives. Wait, how do you strangle a cat? Don't they, like, scratch the shit out of you? I mean... I would assume so, but right? if you have your grip over them, but still, maybe she was getting scratched and she didn't really give a shit. She just kept getting scratched. Because I've been around cats and they just like want to be pet and if you don't pet them, they'll scratch at your legs. Yeah, like, but we don't know what position, do you know what I mean? We don't know what position the cats were in, but anyway, okay. So, although she quickly learned that they did not have nine lives, it still didn't stop her from continuing her experimentation. The girls' rebellious and unruly behavior subjected them to physical and sexual abuse by Jesse Fowling, even though the girls would go on to deny it later on in life. Uh, The abuse and neglect were identified by one of the pastors in the village, and he encouraged Jesse and Dolly to give up their rights to the girls, um, so that they could get proper care 
or else he was going to repair, uh, report them to the proper authorities. So Jesse and Dolly agreed to send the girls away. The girls were sent to a group foster home called Great Oaks Village, located in Orlando, Florida. Mm. Falling would go on to say that she had a great time at the group foster home, although according to social workers, she had a nasty habit of stealing, lying constantly, and getting into trouble just to seek attention. So maybe she did have a great time, but they didn't. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know? That's basically what was yeah. the, what the case was. So the social workers had records of Jesse Fowling being arrested twice for sexually abusing Carol, but because both charges were dropped, the girls were returned to the Fowlings after a year with uh, after a year with the group home. So with the charges for Jesse Fowling, basically the first charge was uh, it was a hung jury, and the second case, Dolly, his wife, pretty much dropped the charges. So, although no sexual abuse, although there was no sexual abuse, the physical abuse continued. So, he still beat her? He still pretty much beat them. The final incident happened in October 1975 when Jesse severely beat Fowling for being 10 minutes late. Jesse was insistent that she wear shorts to school the next day so everyone could witness the quote-unquote justice marks um that he pretty much left on her which didn't really make any sense because like if Wait, she he said that he said that so he told her like you're gonna wear shorts the next then uh tomorrow to school so everybody can see like how i your, beat you yeah pretty much which is like uh no you crazy ass that right. that's yeah, that's, that's... kind of working against you but okay so instead of going to school the girls ran away the following morning the girls managed to live with one of Carol's friends for about six weeks before Fowling decided to reunite with her birth mother in Bluntstown, Florida. Then, in September 1977, 14-year-old Fowling married 20-year-old Goober Fowling. Goober! And it's speculated that he was her stepbrother. What? Yes. There was a lot from... Um, Wait, From the what? research that I did, there was a lot of, like, incestual um, inbreeding that happened amongst this family. So, it was oh. kind of common. You know what I mean? Alright. So, it, uh, unfortunately, maybe it's fortunate, it didn't last long. And the marriage ended after six weeks, considering it was riddled with arguments and violence. At one point, it was said that she threw a, like, 25-pound radio. Like, what the fuck was this radio made out of? But, okay. It was made out of bricks. Jesus, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a brick. So, he, so she, like, attacked him. And it was just a very tumultuous relationship. They just didn't need to be together. So, after the marriage, Fowling developed... Munchausen syndrome and had a compulsion for going into the emergency room complaining of different ailments that doctors were unable to diagnose. One time she went in complaining that she had severe vaginal bleeding, but it just turned out to be her period, her menstrual cycle. Oh my goodness. Another time she went in complaining about a snake bite, but in reality she had just dug her nails into her own skin. A mosquito bit her. Yeah. In one year, Fowling checked herself into the hospital 50 times. 
and a diagnosis could not be determined for any of her visits. Given she was visiting the same hospital, it did not alert staff to make note of her strange behavior. Even a psych evaluation would have gone a long way, and it could have prevented so many of these things from happening. Or so many of the things that I'm going to tell you about from happening. So Fowling starts having run-ins with the law and has six charges against her before she's even the age of 18. She had an extensive record from animal killings to the hospital visits to committing check fraud. But because of the poverty level, Fowling's behaviors were ignored. So at this point, she has completely dropped out of school and realizes she needs to get a job to support herself somehow. Fowling was uneducated and had the brain capacity of a young child. So what better job to get than babysitting? Perfect. So parents trusted her and she enjoyed spending time with these children or so it appeared. On February 28th, I'm sorry, February 25th, 1980, Fowling was babysitting a uh, two-year-old named Cassidy Johnson, who they called Muffin, when suddenly the little girl became ill and fainted, falling out of her crib, according to Fowling. Muffin was diagnosed with encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain, and she would eventually die three days later. One of the doctors was suspicious of the diagnosis and Fowling's story. The doctor wrote a note to the police for the babysitter uh, for the babysitter to be checked out. So basically, they're in like a room together, like inside the hospital together. They're visiting the doctor find, to find out what happened. The police, right? And the doctor pretty much slips this <coughs> note to the police officer to like, hey check out the babysitter and what happens is the note is pretty much lost and little cassidy johnson's case is pretty much closed there's no follow-up of the note nobody remembers getting it who was passing the note the doctor okay so the doctor was to the officer to the police officer he was doing like a chain pass or he, he gave it straight to the officer. He gave it straight to the police officer, but so apparently... So what, the didn't read it in the moment? I guess he, either he read it and he just didn't pay attention to it, or he just didn't no. really, you know what I mean? Didn't really care, so he kind of just, like, brushed it off and the note was lost. That is wild. So, you following... You so many... <clears throat> you could have, you know, stopped so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It could have been a prevention to <clears throat> the long list of shit that is about to go on. So, following that incident, Fowling moved on to Lakeland, Florida, and two months after her arrival, while she was caring for four-year-old, four-year-old Jeffrey Davis, he suddenly stopped breathing without any prior signs of illness. An autopsy revealed myocardi- myo- shit. Help. Myocard- Myocarditis- Myocarditis, which is usually a result of a viral infection and causes inflammation of the heart. With no further potential causes of death, the case is closed. So Jeffrey's family arranges uh, a funeral like three days later. His bereaved aunt and uncle had a two-year-old son named Joseph Spring. The couple asked Fowling to watch their little boy so they could attend their nephew's services. 
While in Fowling's care, Joseph had been napping and failed to wake up. Doctors speculated that the little boy had succumbed to the same viral infection that counted for his cousin's death. No investigation was undertaken into Joseph's death, and so the case was closed. Case closed. Once again, Fowling moves. She decides to go back to Perry. In July of 1981, Fowling decides that she wants to take a break from like babysitting and she wants to find a job as a housekeeper. So she starts working for a gentleman by the name of William Swindle, who's a 77-year-old man (laughs) who basically (laughs) needs not only just a housekeeper, but a caregiver as well. On the first day of Fowling's new job, William was found unresponsive on his kitchen floor. And here we go. Because of his age and medical conditions, it was assumed that he suffered a massive heart attack. So authorities did not investigate his death any further. I mean, let me tell you, apparently, fucking the end of the 70s and the 80s in Florida, nobody gave a shit about anything. (laughs) So a short time after Swindle's death, uh, Fowling was out with her stepsister and her eight-month-old daughter, Jennifer Daniels. They were visiting the health clinic to get Jennifer's vaccines, and on their way home, the stepsister makes a stop at the grocery store. Since the baby was sleeping, she asks Fowling to stay in the car so she can quickly run in and out. When she returns to the car, she finds her eight-month-old baby unresponsive and not breathing and fouling is in like full-blown panic <coughs> excuse me so medical examiners and coroners said complications due to due to the immunization and vaccines was the cause of the baby's death really there was no further investigation that was just it was that was it that doesn't was seem it. very thorough at all. Not at all. Even though she was perfectly healthy when she got all the vaccines and all the all of her immunizations, she was perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, she just dies. So should we not get vaccines? I mean, I'll leave that up to you. Ooh. But it has nothing to do with this story. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> when police asked, when police asked Fowling what had occurred, she simply said that she was in the car with the baby. When her, steps, uh, when her stepsister came out and noticed the baby was, was pretty much just dead. Like, that was it. There is some parts of the story that mention, not story, but there's some part of my, some part of the research that mentions that the baby was in her hands. It was the 1980s. Nobody really gave a shit about car seats at that time. You know what I mean? It wasn't in effect. But there was also some parts of my research that said that she was like sitting in a car seat in the back of the car. So I'm not exactly sure, but there's. Two different speculations on that. So, um, with that, the case is eventually closed. On July 2nd, 1982, Fowling was asked to watch 10-week-old Travis Coleman because his mother had fallen ill to pneumonia. Not only did she want Fowling to watch the little boy, but she asked her to keep him overnight. And might I remind you, prior to this one, a lot of these, like, the first, like, three incidents that occur are within the same, like, county. 
So the fact that like she she had a like people knew about what was like what was happening with these kids and they were still like no 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 please watch my kid she's a great babysitter she's a great babysitter they just (laughs) forget the fact that like three kids are dying back to back but she's a great babysitter wow so um the following day the baby is found dead in his bassinet metal medical examiners determine the infant had died from SIDS um for those who are not familiar with SIDS it's basically um sudden infant death syndrome and it's just there is never um there isn't really an exact cause for it it just kind of happens especially when they're in like a specific a specific time of uh like frame in their like newborn stage i mm-hmm. believe yeah. they're very they're very highly uh susceptible to it so they're more vulnerable to very like it, yeah. it just happens like sometimes they're either it could be from the way that they're sleeping like you know what i mean that they just stop breathing or it's it could be it just could it happens suddenly and it's not exactly well isn't that what they say don't put a baby on his belly when he's sleeping I think so. It's not. Is it the belly or on the back? I can't remember. I think it is the belly. I think it's the belly. It is the belly, and then that's why you're not supposed to like have a have a pillow, and you're not supposed to have like a blanket for like I don't know the first. You know so much. I do. I had nephews, and I learned so much, and I took child development classes, so I've read up on all these things. Anyway, I I took French in high school. That has nothing to do with this, but okay. So, okay, so this is, again, usually the first thing that is speculated among newborns, like if a sudden death occurs, right? So finally, some of the physicians and nurses became suspicious considering how healthy little Travis actually was, and they decide to conduct a more thorough autopsy, which reveals strangulation, smothering, internal hemorrhaging, and internal bleeding. Side note. SIDS would definitely not cause any of these types of injuries, okay? So, Fowling's reign of terror was finally coming to an end. Investigators decide to question Fowling one more time. When asked what could have happened since SIDS was not the case, Fowling bluntly admitted that she had killed him. Fowling would go on to say, and this is a quote, I don't know why I done what I done, the way I done it, I seen it done on TV shows. I had my own way, though. Simple and easy. No one would hear them screaming. She then confesses to the murders of Cassidy Johnson, Jennifer Daniels, and Travis Coleman, and admits killing them by, as she said, smotheration. Smotheration? Smotheration. Where she would press a blanket over their faces. No, but that was her (laughs) word. Where she would press a blanket over their faces in response to disembodied voices telling her to kill the baby. So in a taped confession. Sorry, I should mention this first. Before her taped confession, she was also admitted into a psychiatric hospital. But she was not diagnosed with any type of mental condition. So they pretty much took her into custody at that point. In a taped confession, Fowling described the events leading up to the deaths. 
According to Fowling, and these are all quotes, Cassidy Johnson, I'm sorry, I'm speaking on behalf of her, so this is her talking. Cassidy Johnson was smothered because she had gotten kind of rowdy or something. Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Davis made me mad or something. I was already mad that morning. I just took it out on him and just started choking him till he was dead. Joe Boy, who was uh, Joseph Spring, was napping when, I don't know, I just got the urge and wanted to kill him. Wow. Her niece, Jennifer Daniels, died because she was continually crying and crying and crying. And it made me mad, so I just put my hands around her neck and choked her till she shut up. Travis Coleman was sleeping when, for no apparent reason, she killed him. Uh, On September 17, 1982, Christine Fowling pled guilty to murdering the three children and was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for the first 25 years. So the main reason why she was um, only convicted for three three out of five was because the two little boys were technically um, diagnosed with like a viral infection. So they just assumed that it it had nothing to do with her, even though she pretty much kind of confessed to it, right? So after a few years in prison, she also admitted to strangling William Swindle, the older gentleman, and uh, eventually Fowling would be eligible for parole in 2006, but was denied. And again, her application for parole was rejected in November 2017, she will be given another hearing in seven years. And that is the story of Christine Fowling. So, a Fowling? note, Fowling, note to all you parents, be careful who you have watch your kids. Maybe Serious. do a good amount of research. I don't know. What is that, uh, that main? Nanny.org? No, it's not Nanny. What's that other one? Something's list. Oh, uh... Jane. Is, it, is that what it is? No, Angie. Angie's List. Angie's List. So Angie's List has, uh, apparently, but then again, I don't know. Just be cautious of who you leave your children with, because there's people like this out there. And, I don't know. I mean, given her, just her upbringing, it sucks what she had to go through, but, I don't know. A lot of lives could have been saved. Hey, and hurt, hurt people hurt people. I mean, I guess. It's true. It's really true. I got a lot of my information before I forget. Um, a good amount I found on ThoughtCo. Uh, one of the... Uh, Our buddies at ThoughtCo. Yes, one of the sites I really like to use because they have a lot of good information. Of course, I got some information off of Murderpedia. Um, and, of course, Wiki Fandom. So, those were all really great sources. Well... That was a very uh, interesting uh, true crime story this week. Indeed. And as usual, because you always have pretty interesting ones, some more gruesome than others. Yes. Uh, as you can tell, there weren't too many uh, too many details with this one. And I don't know how the fuck she got away with so much from the get-go, but okay. Yeah, I don't understand. Just because the children had a viral... 
you I know, mean, thing you, you that leave they were... your you leave your kid with the babysitter and you get home and she's like, "Oh, your baby's dead." Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, sorry, the baby died. <laughs> what do you mean? What is? It? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, huh. I don't know. All right, let's try to uh, liven this up a little bit with uh, a little bit of a uh, okay, a okay act of kindness of the week. Yes. So today. From our buddies at goodnewsnetwork.org. <laughs> the headline reads, <clears throat> Russian boy paints stunning pet portraits in exchange for donations to local animal shelters. Are you just purposely doing all these animal stories? I feel no, like back to just... back you've been doing animal. <clears throat> you know what? No, I'm not. It's just... The thing that it is right now. That's okay. People aren't helping people. People are helping <laughs> animals. I love animal stories anyway. So, this nine-year-old Russian boy is using his artistic talents to benefit underserved animal shelters. Okay. Pavel Abramov was first inspired to launch his labor of love after his pet dog passed away more than a year and a half ago. Oh. As a means of honoring his late companion, he picked up a paintbrush and started accepting online commissions for paint for uh, pet portraits. In exchange for the masterpieces, Pavel asked his customers to donate pet food and supplies to his local animal shelter in Nizhny Novgorod. Novgorod. I believe it's in Russia. Mm. So, Pavel is the youngest volunteer at the sole animal shelter in the small city of Arzamaz. The shelter cares for about 100 animals at a time, many of which have been benefited from Pavel's contributions. Pavel and his mother, Ekaterina Bolshakova. That's a dope last name. Bolshakova? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Collected donations through their project, Good paintbrush. Some many, since many of the youngsters work are, uh, since, I'm sorry, since many of the youngsters' works are published on the duo social media page, what's, what is a little volunteer capable of? Pavel has received commissions from as far away as Spain, Germany, and the U.S. Over the course of his two-year mission, Pavel has painted hundreds of pet portraits. Although the Good Paintbrush Project has been entirely volunteer-run, he and his mother are now pursuing financial support so they can improve their international commission process and find more ambitious ways of helping shelter animals. If you want to check out more of Pavel's work, you can visit his uh, VT or Instagram page. Uh, the Instagram page is Pasha. Abramov one, which uh, is spelled P A S H A A B R A M O V one as the number one. Nice. And by looking at this, this kid is pretty talented. He does, oh shit! Yeah, he is. He's, he's he does oh, pretty that's good. A fucking amazing Siamese-looking cat. He does pretty good, you know, portraits and stuff. He's. You he's, guys should definitely check him out. Give him a follow. He doesn't. What is he like? Six? He's nine years old. He looks like a six-year-old, but listen, he's nine years old. He's amazing. A, he's a pretty good artist, you know. Wow. He's, oh my 
god, that is so good. Give him a give him a follow. Don't curse. Don't tell him murder on top center because he'll be like, "What is that?" And we don't. I don't think we want him to listen to what we do here. (laughs) Condone to children listening to our podcast. Yeah, but um, murder and true crime. Check it out. Um, if you would like to see the story, this this uh headline, check out Good News Network. Um, the headline, like I said earlier, Russian boy paints stunning pet portraits. Check out his Instagram. For sure. If you want to donate. I know there's a lot of animal lovers out there that like to donate to shelters and stuff. Hey, you have an animal, ask this guy, for ask the little kid for a portrait of him. Yeah. You know what? We might send out a portrait to him. Maybe. Maybe. Or possibly. Or maybe I'll just do it. Surprise me. Booyah. What? Surprise me. That was a great story. That was very heartwarming, and that kid is very talented. Very talented. Maybe uh, next week I'll do a good act between humans. If you can find one. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. There's been some that we've talked about in the past, and we are amazing people. So. Wait, did you just say we are amazing people? Not like we, like as you and I, but you mean it as just human beings, a human race and a nation, right? Anyway, humans, just say humans. Just human beings are cool. Aliens are really cool too. Yes, thank you once again for joining <laughs> us. Um, we appreciate you. Yes, we truly do appreciate all of our followers, and as always. Uh, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe, and if Leave you don't, or if you don't want to, that's cool, too. Yeah, whatever. Not that, like, we don't care, but, like, it's your prerogative. Do whatever you want. We're not forcing you guys for anything. For sure. But just the fact that you join us every week, or whenever you do join us, just to listen to us talk nonsense means a lot to us. It's fun to see our numbers increase, and... Our following increase, so yeah, it's very exciting. Thank and you. if you didn't listen, to, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we gave away a thousand dollars. I'm just saying, you missed out. And I won. What? Yes. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Cheers to you all. Cheers to you all. Catch you here again next week. Cheers. Cheers, tappers.